grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is from the Gospel of St. Mark, the 10th chapter. Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, not with God, for all things are possible with God. Dear friends of Christ, you know, the disciples were certainly confused when this rich young ruler came up. We talked about him in last Sunday's sermon. I'm not going to talk about him a whole lot today because that, that was last Sunday's sermon. So if you want to know about the rich young ruler, you know, go to our YouTube channel and, and listen to last Sunday's sermon. But this, of course, uh, follows immediately on the tales of that. And so you had the story of the rich young ruler, and then he talks to his disciples here. And the disciples were confused because this rich young man, Jesus told him if he wanted to follow God and be saved, he had to sell everything that he had but he was extremely wealthy, so he went away sad. And the disciples were confused. I mean, here you had a guy, I mean, we all want the church to grow. We all want new church members, right? That's kind of the, the whole thing of evangelism. God wants us to be talking to people. And if you can find anybody, somebody to listen to the gospel in this world today, well, you take the opportunity. This man was willing to listen. You'd think Jesus has been excited. And certainly the disciples were thinking, well, we've got one who's going to you know, give his heart to Jesus and, and, and say, yes, I believe in the Lord Savior Jesus Christ. And it was going to be a good thing. But then he tells them, no, if you want to follow, you've got to sell everything. And the man went away sad because he had many possessions. He wasn't willing to pay that price. And the disciples were thinking, wow, the guy could have not only would have been great to have him in the congregation, he could have supported our ministry. Think of all the good work he could have done. Jesus chased him away. What's all that about? Well, like I said, I don't want to talk about riches today. It, but it does seem that every culture admires the wealthy. Every culture admires people with position and power and possessions. And, and it, we would even say that positions and power and money and wealth is a blessing. It's a God-given blessing. So if wealth is a blessing, then how can it be a curse? Because here we see for this rich young ruler, his money was a curse. So let's try to answer that question. As we consider our theme, Jesus frees us from the idolatry of money. After the rich young ruler walked away, Jesus said to his disciples, how difficult will it be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? And the disciples were exceedingly astonished at his words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult is it to enter the kingdom of God? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, this is a difficult text, misinterpreted by many in the church and even pastors. But why is Jesus being so rough, so tough on the, on the rich? Why is he making it so difficult for the rich people to get into heaven? Does he have something against the people of wealth? The people of privilege? And do the poor people have an easier path? Do the poor people have God's favor? 
And it's just kind of that way. God is against the rich, but he's for the poor. You know, some false teachers say that, but that's not what this is saying. So what's the point? Well, it's true. I mean, what Jesus says is true. It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a wealthy person to enter the kingdom of God. Listen, putting a, a, you know, when I try to put a thread through a needle, that's the challenge for me. And that's frustrating. Now, I imagine you sores are good at it, but I mean, it's like I take off my glasses and you have to do all that. Imagine trying to get a camel through the eye of a needle. It's a hyperbole. Of course, that's the point. It's, uh, it's impossible. You, you, can't, you can't do it. It's such a tiny space. In, in modern language, we might say, try driving your SUV through the eye of a needle. And you say, well, that's impossible. Yeah, it's, that's exactly the point. It's impossible. The disciples understood that impossibility too, and they asked Jesus, who then can be saved? There are rich people in this congregation. Can they be saved? There are people who have idols. They worship false gods. Can they be saved? There are people who lust and are greedy. Can they be saved? There are people who use God's name in vain. Can they be saved? There are people who don't honor the Sabbath day. They don't worship They don't worship every day in their own life. They don't have daily devotions. They don't praise God on a daily basis. And they don't come to church every Sunday. Can they be saved? There are people who get angry. They want to hurt people. And they hurt people with their words. Can they be saved? Well, Jesus doesn't talk about all those other issues today. But he does talk about the issue of wealth and and. And money is a, and wealth and possessions can be dangerous. can be dangerous to have stuff. King Solomon was one of the richest people in the world. In the Old Testament, remember King Solomon? The wise King Solomon. God granted him wisdom. God granted him also tons and tons of stuff. And he had so much wealth, so much gold, possessions, power, wealth, women, wine, you name it, he had it. And what did he do with it? He spent it. He spent it on himself, and he spent it lavishly, drinking and having fun and and womanizing and just doing all the things of the world. None of it brought him joy. The older King Solomon got, the more miserable he got. And King Solomon admitted that his possessions caused him to sin to sinfully indulge his soul and body in the dangers that wealth can provide. He foolishly lavished and, and lived because, and the things that only money can do in a lifestyle only money can allow. And you'd say, boy, I wish I could live like that. I wish I could be foolish like that. Oh, that I could just die that, that happy, right? I've heard people say that before and However, after many years of foolish living, as an old man looking back on his life and all the things that he'd done, Solomon wisely summarized his whole entire life with one word, vanity. Whoever loves money will never be satisfied with money. Remember those words from our Old Testament lesson? Whoever loves wealth will be never satisfied with more income. Even this is pointless, vanity. 
And then he wisely said this about his money and possessions. He said, there's a painful tragedy that I've seen under the sun. Riches lead to the downfall of those who have hoarded them. And he concluded, I've seen everything that's done under the sun. And behold, it's all vanity. And it's all just a striving after the wind. It vanishes. Now, if you think none of this applies to you, because you're thinking, boy, you know what, today I'm not wealthy, so I don't have to worry about this text. Well, we need to think again. You may not be the richest person in the world. You may not even be the richest person in Spencer, Iowa. You may not even be the richest person in this congregation, but compared to the world, Americans, the poorest among us are the richest in the world. We are. And so God is talking to all of us. What does Paul say? Paul writes, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many pangs, chasing after the wind, receiving what they finally was their goal, only to find that it didn't offer what it promised. I hope you can see the spiritual dangers here. That's what Jesus is trying to point out. The spiritual dangers of wealth and possessions are very real. Don't lie to yourself. Money, possessions, things, pleasures lead you away from God. And is it worth it? Is it worth the price to pay? Listen, money is a blessing. Money is a wonderful, wonderful blessing. It is. Unless, unless it leads you away from your God and from eternal life. If money separates you from your saving faith, then it's a curse to you. But we wonder how money can be a curse when it offers financial security. And that's what we think. Money offers financial security. It makes us safe. Puts us in a safe place. And it's true. The more wealth you have, the more secure you are the more securely you live. And you live with confidence. People who have wealth live with confidence. Wealth gives you a peace of mind. I don't have to worry about paying that bill. It's a, it's a, it's a nice peace of mind to have. If you have lots of money, then there's lots of things you don't have to worry about. It's a blessing. And we believe the satanic lie, and it is a satanic lie, the satanic lie that says money offers security. May make life easier, but it offers no security. It can't deliver eternal security. Money can't ever deliver the soul. And what is good, what is all the money in the world if you gain it all but lose your soul? Is it worth it? And yet we continue to believe that money can provide security. And so that's why we make money an idol. And we come to the main point of the whole sermon then, don't we? The first commandment and, and putting other things above God and then treating that like it's more important than God. I want you to think about how much time you spend worshiping God and how much time you spend gaining money. 
how much time you spend serving the Lord versus how much time you spend spending your money and shopping and doing all those things. If our treasure is where our heart is at, where is our heart at? And God tells us where our heart is at. How can people like that enter the kingdom of God? It's impossible. People like that have broken the first commandment. They've, they've made the things and the possessions their God. They consider those things that they have more important than God. And you don't think so? Take them away and see how much you grumble and complain. COVID can take you away from church. People don't grumble and complain when they have to be taken away from church. You have the government take away your possessions? See if you grumble and complain. You tell me what you love more. What's more important? Where is your heart? And we know. We just don't like to talk about it. So our, our lesson today is not about money. It's not about wealth. It's about making idols. It's about worshiping those things. It's about making a God of those things. Making them more important than God. Because that's offensive to, to God. When we take something that He created and rise it above Him and then say, this is what I focus on. This is where my heart lies. And God says, your heart should be on me. Idols, like money. All idols promise everything, but they provide nothing in the end. So how are we supposed to deal with idolatry? Well, God wants us to repent. Repentance means we change. It means a change of heart, a change of mind. It means turning away from those idols. Repentance means uh, letting our idols go, giving them up, putting God in His proper place, putting everything else where it belongs below our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It means a change of heart, change of mind. God wants us to dethrone that which has taken a place in our heart, our money and possessions. But dethroning our idols, it's not an easy thing to do because you have to dethrone them from your heart. And it's hard to dethrone something you've already embraced. How do we do that? How do we take the love of money off of its throne? Well, we can learn to give it away. That's what Jesus told the wise, the, the rich young ruler. You can sell it all and give it to the poor. How do we do that? Well, one way to make sure that money isn't controlling you and that you are in control of your money is to give it away, let it go. Share it with others. Donate it. Support the mission and ministry of the church. Support people in need. Listen, giving to Christ is valid. Christ is not an idol. Christ is the real thing. Christ is God. Supporting God in His work. Salvation is only possible because of what He's done for you, what He's done for us. And so in Him, all things are possible, including your wealth and your possessions. All things are possible. And He provides them as a gift. Your ability to work is a gift. All gifts from God, and so is your salvation. A gift. 
Jesus left the riches of heaven, the wealth of heaven, to come down and live in poverty among us. Jesus gave up everything. Paul writes, For you know the grace, the undeserved love of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich in heaven, yet for our sake he became poor, so that by his poverty, taking on all our sins, making himself poor, we might become rich with the promise of everlasting life. Jesus became our sin. He died the death. He embraced the poor. He embraced the lowly. He became the least and the lowliest. And dying on the cross. And he chose the way of, of poverty and weakness. And Jesus did the impossible. The thing that only God can do. He took the sins of all the people, the idolatry of all the people, the greed and the selfishness of all the people, and he placed it on his shoulders and he took it all. Now he gives you true security. True security comes in Jesus. He gives you everlasting life. He gives you the forgiveness of sins. He gives you that salvation. He gives you your possessions. He gives you a job. He gives you your life. And He fills it with joy. But it's still impossible to squeeze a camel through the eye of a needle. It's still impossible to squeeze a sinner into heaven. It's still impossible to squeeze a rich man through that door of heaven. But with God, all things are possible. And God knows the door. In fact, Jesus says, I am the door to heaven. I am the gate. I am the way. I am the life. I am the truth. And Jesus is the one who carries us through the door. Camel and all. Through the eye of a needle, by His mercy and by His grace, He forgives us and He leads us. Jesus is your salvation. He's your God. You need to cling to Him, not your wealth. Cling to Him, not your stuff. Don't cling to all those things that offer so much and only lead your soul to hell. Cling to Him who will save your soul from hell. And with Christ at the center of your life, well, then things start to happen. Live generously in the grace of Christ. Be content with what you have. With Christ at the center of life, everything else gains its proper perspective, God above all things. And then the things that God has blessed us with is a gift to serve Him and to serve others. Do you have plenty? Then rejoice in your plenty by sharing that joy with those who have less. Are you in need? Then rejoice that you're free from all the possessions and all the temptation of wealth and remember that your treasure is in heaven. Sometimes people hold on to their money like a death grip. You know, greed. Jesus says, I want you to cling to me with that same fervor. Cling to Jesus with the same fervor, even more fervor. Cling to the Savior. Cling to Jesus and be saved. Faith clings to Christ. And as God's children, we know 
that we should not cling to all the things of this world that will just pass away and leave us holding on to nothing when we're standing before the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in that last judgment day. What do you have? What have you been clinging to? And it's gone. But you say, I've been clinging to Jesus, the source of my salvation. And God says, enter into God's kingdom. Well done, you good and faithful servant. Cling to Jesus and thank Jesus. Enjoy the food in your table. Enjoy the wine in your cup. Enjoy the good work that God has given you to do this day. These are gifts that God has given to you. Do not cling to the earthly things, though. And they will not cling to you. Cling to Jesus. And they'll never control you. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.